From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Today, a fresh new podcast of challenging biblical truths, June 5, 2023 on the calendar. I'm Andy Crash Connell. David Fierozo's off for a few more weeks, and uh, Monday's usually Mary's Day off. So today it's you and me, along with author and teacher Dave Wager from Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute in White Lake, Wisconsin. Good morning once again, Dave Wager. Welcome to the broadcast. Good morning, Crash. It's good to be with you and all our friends on Stand Up. It's always a blessing. I know that you get up early, so you're you're in your comfort zone. And yes, I, um, I wonder, first of all, let's uh, start the broadcast in prayer, if you would, please, Dave. Certainly. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you give us hope and a purpose, that you created us with that special creation of, of purpose in life to show the world who you are by how we live. We ask that this uh, hour together we will honor your name and that we'll say things that are, that are true and right and, and edifying to those who listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Um, for those that are new to Stand Up For The Truth, uh, tell us a little about Dave Wager and why you're on Stand Up For The Truth. <laughs> well, Give us a little uh, background. You, you know, all, all of my contact with Q90, I think, has been accidental somehow. By that, I mean God directed, um, because I didn't really plan on ever doing anything on on radio or podcasts or anything now, and now there's all kinds of podcasts and radio things, and and I love partnering with Q90. But my passion is really education, children, young people. And for the last, uh, this is my 56th summer here at Silver Birch Ranch working mm-hmm. with young people and having them come and working with the local churches and, and build relationships with each other and build relationships with God in a Christian camping setting. And then having Nicolay Bible Institute where I get to teach is a, is a one-year Bible school that basically helps young people understand they need to know God and they need to serve God. Those two things. And whatever profession they get into in life, knowing God and serving are two things that will serve them well because that's how they're made. So for the last 42 years full-time, I've been uh, working at Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute. And for the last 56 summers, I've been here at Silver Birch Ranch, and I continue to have this passion for teaching people God's Word and just uh, getting them to understand the simplicity of God's Word in many, many respects. Because I teach kids, I'm always focused on the simplicity part of it. Uh, you know, I think the Bible is so simple that an eight-year-old can understand you know, almost all the concepts. And it's so profound that you and I, Crash, could talk about it for decades. So it, it, it's got both sides of it. And, and I tend to fall on the simple side for the young people. Now, uh, your, your father started Silver Birch Ranch. He did. There was a great legacy of faith here. My dad was in on the start of a Awana Youth Association. He wrote all their original books and was part of that. Um, he was their first employee, Art Rohrheim, who was really the founder, and Doc Latham. Doc Latham was my dad's pastor, and Art was uh, very much my dad's mentor. And, 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 and he, those were the guys who started Awana. 
And then my dad was involved in various churches out of the Chicago area and always had to have a camp to work with right. as far as the church goes because he wanted to train people in evangelism and in service. And so he would use the camp as a pastor and his youth pastor would come up all summer and the kids in the high school group would come up and they would serve and they would do all the different things to, to take care of the young kids who came up here. Plus, they got out of the city in the summer, which was a great thing to be able to do. And, and so he was always, uh, the camp we're at now, Silver Birch Ranch, he, he basically went out and, and saw it in a newspaper ad, came up and looked at it, went and borrowed the down payment and started the ministry back in the 1967 was in November and 68 was our first summer. So, uh, the Nicolay Bible Institute uh, came later. It did. We started uh, the camp in 1968, the first first summer that uh, children came here. And in 1981, there were six of us who grew up here serving. And we all decided to quit our jobs and come up here and try and see if we could start a year-round work. And, and again, my dad was one of the few people who encouraged us. He said, man, go see God work. If God's calling you up there, go do it. And there was no money, there was no people coming, and in northern Wisconsin, there was no water available to the cabins because all the pipes were, were not buried deep enough, and they would freeze in the winter. Mm-hmm. There were no heated cabins. So six of us moved up here and just started, I think for six months, I, dig, dit, I dug ditches to try and put pipes down so that they wouldn't freeze. And um, and and now it's 42 years later, and we... This summer, we're anticipating about 3,000 kids to come through and about 3,000 during the, the rest of the year. We have about 200 to 300 a weekend that come through. And then the Nicolay Bible Institute, which is a daily operation, takes place. And that Nicolay Bible Institute started as an idea in 1981, and we were actually working in two areas. We were working with high school boys who were just having a struggle making it in school, and eventually, that became a program of its own and spun off out of here. And in 1982, we thought, we need to take college kids, college young people, and train them differently than college, a one-year program where they will actually learn who God is and learn how to die to themselves. And if we could do that, there could be a positive impact in families and, and businesses and schools, whatever, down the road. So we've done that. And we, ever since 1982, the Nicolay Bible Institute has been in place. And uh, and now there's several colleges that take our credits and that kind of thing. It, it is still a one-year program. It's not a, a two- or three-year. And I hesitate calling it a gap program because it's not where people are just stuck for a year waiting to mature a little bit. That That's not the purpose of it. The purpose is really to train people in God's Word and to train them to die to themselves uh, dying to yourself does not come natural. And and likewise, you know, being trained in God's word is, is critical, obviously, because you need to know who God is or you'll never trust him. So uh, I, when you said you you hesitate to call it a gap program, uh, I was going to was wondering if it is a uh, a pre uh, like a prep college well, or prep prep for for college or whatever you want to do in life. Yes and no. I mean, it's, it's really unique in that the goals of. You know, we never want to get really above 30, 32 students because we want to pour into them. We want to make sure that the opportunities are right, that we disciple the students right, that we that there are plenty of opportunities for service. It's They can go on to college, but we don't encourage, 
we don't really promote that they need to go to college. If you're gonna if you're gonna be a welder, you might not need to go to college. You, mm-hmm. you probably need to go get a welding in yeah, trade school. Or trade school. Or yeah. So, yeah, you can go to trade school, or there's businesses today that'll that'll train you yeah. if you want to come in and right. learn that. But but everybody's looking for the same qualities in the individual they're going to train. They want people who will serve, people who are respectful. Those are the things that we work on during that year. And some of them, you know, there are some places you're going to need a college degree. And, and so we encourage those to go on to college. If you're going to be a teacher, you need a teaching certificate. If you're going to be a doctor, I, I certainly hope you go to college. Um, and, and, and so you, you start to look at those and say, okay, well, some of you are going to need to go on. And we do work with some Christian colleges where they take all of our credits. And we also try and we're, we're the year of Bible for a, a place that trains missionary pilots, too. So we have a, a missionary pilot school that we work with. Hmm. And if, if somebody wants to go to the mission field and become a missionary pilot, the year at the Nicolay Bible Institute is the Bible year that they need. And then they go get their other training at this uh, facility in Michigan, actually. Dave Wager, Silver Birch Ranch, is our guest this morning on Stand Up for the Truth. And uh, it seems to be a theme with you at your men's retreats. And uh, you also do thinking aloud teaching uh, programs on Q90FM in, in the, on the morning show during the uh, teaching hours. And also at night, you have Younger Older with you, uh, the a generational type discussion that we do on Saturdays. And you do so many blogs. You're sending me all these blogs. You just... Uh, Looks like you have a new one on, um, that you sent me, or it may not be new, but it lo- it's new to me. And I had yep. to I had to look it up. Uh, voluble, yep. <laughs> I didn't even know Most that voluble. word. Most yeah. voluble. I didn't I even heard that word. Yeah, a person talking fluently, readily, or incessantly. And I went, "Yep, that's Dave Wager." Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> I, I have this when when young people ask me, you know, how I got my burden or whatever it's like you know what everything i learn for some reason my brain wants to turn it into a way to teach it so that's why i'm a teacher i think because as i read the bible i I read something i go oh i got to share this so then i have a blog or or we have the 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 thinking aloud or we have the younger older or sometimes i get to be a privilege to be on um stand up with you guys and so no matter what i'm learning I have these files I keep putting it in so that I can share it with people. And and eventually it's like, no, I can share this with the Nicolay Bible students. I can share this with the campers. I can share this on a blog because nobody else wants to read it right now, so I'll put it over there. And I, and then those kinds of things. And I encourage people, find out how God made you and go into it, and you'll enjoy life. I mean, I, I'm not made to be a scientist, and I'm not made to be, you know, a a bricklayer or something i'm really made to be a teacher and that's what god put in my heart to do so that's why all these things are out there and i can't imagine living differently than that and it doesn't seem to be a burden to me so um in fact uh, being on a program with you crash is is just a privilege you you ask me to be on i go oh great you know this is good stuff i enjoy it and and i hope that those who are listening to us understand that god made you that way you, you need to be somebody, if you're going to enjoy life, to find out. He didn't make it to, to just make money. He made you to accomplish something in life, and it's not all about money. It's about something else. Now, you may make money in that. You know, I tell the college students all the time, if, if God meant you to be a, a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you'll probably make too much money. 
And, and if he made you to be a missionary to China, you'll probably make too little money. And, and I encourage him, if you're, if you're one of those CEOs in some big company, be generous. And, and if you're somebody that's a, a missionary somewhere to a, a, a third world country, don't ever complain. Just enjoy the fact that God takes care of you. And either way, you're okay because you're doing what God put you on the planet to do. And so, uh, that, that's my encouragement to people. It sounds like I do a lot, but I don't, I still think I can do more. And, and I never think I've done enough here because I'm just enjoying giving away what God gives to me. Well, you started out as a was a high school teacher, right? Or was it no, middle school? No, fifth grade teacher. Fifth grade, all right. Yeah, I love teaching fifth grade. You know why I picked fifth grade? Because I, I understood their math. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to get any higher than that because, you know, I'm a terrible speller. And, and I'm not, I was never, when I grew up, you know, I was never very good at school. I mean, I, I didn't like school. I wanted to be outside all the time. I played football and hockey in college and, and I was always outside doing something. It's ironic that I ended up being a teacher because I didn't like school. But I realized why I didn't like school after I got out and I, I became a teacher. I, um. I think a lot of it, teachers that are around, I know that's the story for my daughter. Uh, she teaches calculus in Denver, and that's why she got into teaching because she saw some of the flawed things that were going on, and she wanted to be a part of that change and make it fun or whatever the word is that you want to do. But isn't isn't that why most people become teachers? Uh, I'll say in the world, the secular reasons. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would think so. I mean, honestly, I I didn't like school, but I love teaching, I, and I don't know if that makes sense to people. Um, and, and I love teaching. And when I find a student in a classroom, um, that isn't listening, that becomes the challenge. You know, I mean, okay, why aren't they listening? And you know, nine out of 10 times, I find out that the children I'm teaching, they're, they're really smart and they get bored really easily. Mm -hmm. And what happened is, is they got bored while I was teaching because I'm going too slow for them and they started throwing spitballs at somebody. You know what I mean? So it's like, Okay, so the challenge is, is to try and figure out how each of these students operate so that we can be a teacher to them. Um, I used to have a rule as a teacher where I said to myself, there are no bad students, only bad teachers. Hmm. And, and, and what happened was then I would go in and, and basically say, boy, if they didn't learn, I didn't teach. I gotta, I gotta come at this another angle. Um, now I know that's a hundred percent true. There are, there are some bad students I found out through life. Um, who just refused to learn, and I can't do anything about that. But at least I wanted to keep the responsibility on me. My, my two rules when I'm a student and teacher are similar. My rule as a teacher is there are no bad students, only bad teachers, so therefore I have to adjust. And when I'm a student, I say there are no bad teachers, only bad students, so I have to adjust. <laughs> and, and, and so either way, I'm still working on my responsibility factor, trying to, to do what I should do rather than blame somebody for me not listening. Um, but I was one of those kids who basically got bored real quick. So then I was dreaming about something else, looking out the window, whatever it might be, and, and always dreaming about being somewhere else. And, and I think I learned from that as a teacher today that, that those things do happen and that the kids that do that are not defective or they shouldn't be um, discouraged. We just got to figure out how to teach them in a way that reaches them. Okay, at the beginning of the broadcast, we're visiting with Dave Wager from Silver Birch Ranch, Nicolay Bible Institute here, uh, another uh, 14 minutes here before we take our first break. You're talking about the simplicity of God. 
and you said uh, you, you read the Bible like it was written for eight, uh, eighth graders, but yet here we are, uh, adults and uh, master theologians still debating over some of the things. And uh, the notes that you sent me were about Moses. And I went, yes. uh, to me, there's nothing simple about Moses at all or his writings. Right. Because today, you know, how uh, they're still debating Genesis written by Moses. Right. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you want to get started with the simplicity of God with Moses? Well, you know, I, I think it's it's pretty for me it's a it's a pretty easy idea here. I think we set it set it up first of all. So you got Moses. Moses is born in a very unique way. He's thrown he's put in the bulrushes, you know, and the, he's part of Pharaoh's household for forty years. Then he does some stupid things and he and he basically gets pushed out into the desert for forty years. So he's eighty years old before God comes to him and talks to him in a burning bush. Now, now you think about, I, I don't know what was going on in Moses' head the whole time, but for 40 years he's got the lamp of luxury. He's got all the training, all the understanding, everything a, a person could need. He's qualified to do anything probably. And, and so for those years, that's really a good thing. But then for 40 years he's sitting out talking to nobody. I mean, he's looking at sheep for 40 years. And then he walks by and there's this, uh, there's this bush that's burning, but it's not burning up. And, and he looks at that and God says, you know, uh, by the way, um, I want you to do something. You know, go to Pharaoh, tell him to let my people go. So it's one of those things where I look at it and go, what was Moses thinking? Because Moses obviously saw himself really as a simple person by this point. Because God wanted him to talk for him. He wanted him to say things for him, but he didn't. He didn't say anything for him because he was afraid to. He said, I don't know how to talk. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll give you Aaron. So when I look at Moses, I see a couple of things. I see a guy who basically didn't think he was gifted to do what God was asking him to do, which is a silly thought, by the way, because if God asks you to do something, he'll equip you for it. But, but he didn't think he was able to do what God wanted him to do. He thought he was totally unqualified to represent God in this manner. And... I'm sure he was a guy who understood logistics and taking two to three million people out into the desert didn't seem like a very smart idea because <laughs> it, 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 anybody who understands anything about logistics uh, would say this is a nutty thing to do. I, I mean, even here at camp, we, we're feeding you know, up to 400 people a meal during the summer. I can't imagine feeding two to three million people. I can't imagine what that would look like, what that would mean. And especially walking around a desert. Uh, not only that, I can't imagine caring for two to three million people in the desert. That, that would drive me totally insane it, it, as far as that goes. So I'm sure Moses was looking at this as a human being going, you know, I'm unqualified. I don't speak well. I have no idea how this is going to work out. And I can imagine every person in that's under me is going to say, can you give us the details on this one and how this is going to work? And, and then I start to flip it over into like even the modern church where people get together and say, what should we do as a church? And the leaders have a vision. And they're saying, well, give us all the details. There isn't that many details. I mean, I believe God put this on our heart. And this is a great way for God to demonstrate who he is. Uh, the, the camp that I'm a part of, Silver Bird Ranch, honestly, my dad was was a pastor of a poor church in Chicago. He walked the grounds, didn't have the money, went and borrowed the money and started a ministry because he felt God wanted him to. 
And 56 later, I'm talking to you from a studio on, the, on that property. And, and really, we have no fundraising programs, really. We have nobody out there trying to it's – an, it's an amazing story where every building on these grounds is, is, is taken care of somehow. And God's provision has been un- incredible. You can't walk around the grounds and not see God. Now, the logistical people can look at this as a nightmare saying, how do you get there? And, you know, my, my standard answer, and this is why I say it's simple, is like just listen to God. You know, when, when Moses was told by God that, you know, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh, he, he talked to him at a burning bush. And one of the weird things is, is he didn't use up the bush. The, the bush was burning, but it wasn't burning. And, and I thought right there, Moses should look at that and say, you know what? There's one of God's characteristics. God can use me. God can use Dave Wager. He can use my strength and my effort, my resources. But he doesn't use me up. Hmm. He doesn't make it so I can't be used anymore. That bush was fine after God finished using him. And, and I'll be fine after God finishes using me too. And, and Moses needed to see that because the logistics had to drive him nuts. He had to go face Pharaoh who was the most powerful person in the kingdom, in the world. And he had to tell him, I want you to let the people go. And he had to tell him that God told him to say that. And and you can picture right now just that encounter, Moses going, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. It'd be like you, Crash, sending me to President Biden, telling him, now you shape up. You know, I mean, you need to start loving God and walking right and doing things and I would sit there and go, you know, this isn't going to work. It, it, I, I would, I would not be front in line with my hand up wanting to do that. And and so I, I can see Moses, the logistical people, and at the same at the same point, God doesn't ask us to understand everything. He just asks us to obey Him. And if we know Him, here comes the simple part: if you know who God is, you can obey Him. In Deuteronomy, uh, the tenth chapter. It was after, you know, they did the golden calf thing and they, and, 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 you know, the, we'll back up later, but here, here's, here's what's said in verses 12 and 13 in Deuteronomy 10. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Okay, this is pretty simple. Okay, let's, let's review this now. What does God really want from you? But to fear him, to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways. To love him, to serve your, the Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your soul, and to keep his commandments and statutes, the Lord, which I am commanding today for your good. And that's it. What does the Lord really want from you? He wants you to do something you can actually do. Fear the Lord. How do you fear the Lord? Well, you get to know him. And once you get to know him, you have this awesome, awesome fear or respect that's like no for nobody else that you have but God. So fear the Lord, walk in his ways. Oh, oh, listen to God. So that's what I need to do, something very simple. I need to fear God and listen to him. Micah 6.8, and the prophet, I think, summarizes it very simple, too. He says, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of you? Do justice. In other words, do right. Think about that in our culture. He's saying, do right. There is a right and wrong. Do right. And and right and wrong is given to us in God's word. And then it goes on to say, love kindness. Walk humbly. 
And, and the, the word kindness is really mercy. So to do justice, to love mercy. In other words, when, when people don't do it right, it's not that we go to them and say, you're a bum. We don't do that. We love mercy. When Jesus was, was on the cross, he looked at the, the people that put him there, and he could have just looked at him and killed him because he was God if he wanted to. But instead, he said to his father, Father, forgive them. Why? They don't know what they're doing. They, they, they obviously don't understand that they've crucified God. They wouldn't have done it if they understood who I was. And so Jesus, even on the cross, demonstrated mercy. He, he wanted these people to, to understand what they were actually doing, and they didn't. Walk humbly. I mean, obviously, he submitted to God's plan for him while he was on earth. And and I love the fact, I keep going to, back to God in, in my morning times, so I'm saying, thanks for making it something I could do. I could actually understand the idea of getting to know you, walking with you, and listening to you. I can get that. I don't know how to change the world for you. I don't know how to go out there and change all these great minds that think they're great but they're they're godless so they're not great i don't know how to do that i can't keep up with all the professors in college who want to talk about how you didn't exist and all that kind of stuff because i can't even understand their vocabulary you know it's one of those things where god keeps probably smiling and saying no dave because you don't need to do that you need to just do what i ask you to do and whatever i ask you to do you'll be able to do and, you know, I look at these verses and I say, I, I can do justice, I can love mercy, and I can walk humbly, I can do those things. So, God, I choose to do those things, and I'll let you change the world. And anyone that's listening to us, God's never asked you to do something you can't do. He'll take care of the can't do part because there's nothing he can't do. So he can take care of that part. But he's never going to ask you to do something you can't do. And when you say, boy, I just can't do this, you're, you're wrong. If you're a believer, you can do the simple. And you're right in another way. You can't make the impossible happen, but God can. So just walk with him and let him do it. Got four minutes till we take our first break to thank some of our business underwriters here. Dave Wager, Silver Birch Ranch, when you were reading from Deuteronomy 10, the word that stuck out to me as we we're talking about the simplicity of God in uh, verse 13, the word that stood out to me was, "What which I am commanding you today. Right. Today. Because like you said, uh, which is fascinating, is the logistics. So the first thing he said was, like, uh, like okay, the burning bush. Right. How long would I be staring at that bush going, why isn't it? Burned down to the ground. What, right. what, what's going on here? So I'm watching it right now. And then he said, of course, uh, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. And there's so much going on. <laughs> it's fascinating. I mean, when, when you look at it, you go, wait a minute. This is fascinating right now. Right. I, I mean, like, uh, if you know anything about science or physics, how I many, you know, fires, you're going, this fire is uh, who knows how big the bush was, but sooner or later it'd have to go out, burn yep. you know, burn out, and so, and it's it's talking. <laughs> yeah, and God communicates with us, and He keeps saying over and over again, you know, all I want you to do is listen to me. That's it. Just listen to me, and I made you so you can. Yeah, but that takes faith then, because I can't see the end of it. I, 
I, I understand. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you're right. But just listen to me. I'm God. You're Dave. Listen to me. And and when I do that, I'm right. It works. In uh, uh, on one of your blogs, you also mention uh, Exodus one twenty one, and we will, we will have to get into that in a little bit here uh, as we continue the uh, discussion with Dave Wager from Silver Birch Ranch and also Nicolay Bible Institute. Uh, just about a minute here, so uh, I wanted to before we go to break. Uh, anything coming up at Silver Birch Ranch or Nicolay Bible Institute? That you know, we, people can be praying for us here because we, again, our fifty-six summer starts. High school kids come in um, on uh, on Friday, and uh, there we have two high school camps in a row. We have a family camp here right now, and we're we continue to be excited about the opportunities that that are going on right on these grounds where we get the gospel out every single day, and uh, and hopefully um, give. The young people that are coming here, the hope that God wants them to have for the future, because this group that comes, this generation, is lost and hopeless if they're just looking at the Internet and uh, social media and that kind of thing. So we're excited about the opportunities. I ask our friends to pray for us, that we might be effective, that we might stay safe for all these kids, uh, because they're coming from a very unsafe world. And uh, you also have Relate365.com. Uh, website as uh, it's a resource website yes it, that's all it is it's it's where we throw the podcast and some other things that i don't know where to throw so we just throw them over there all right relate365.com and you also have uh newsletters available that people can get like your yep. uh thought of the day i think is what you call it to, yeah that's email. on the relate365.com site or they can go to the site if you post that of the uh of the blog because that's what I put on the blog as well. Okay, we're visiting with Dave Wager, Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute. And remember that uh, you can go to standupforthetruth.com and sign up for our weekly podcast digest in your email box. All you do is just go to the website and you'll see the subscribe button. More with Dave Wager coming up on Stand Up For The Truth. Stay close. Feedback, questions, and topic suggestions are always appreciated. Email us at comments at standupforthetruth.com. I'm Crash Connell visiting with uh, author-teacher Dave Wager from Silver Birch Ranch, Nicolay Bible Institute, White Lake, Wisconsin. And the uh, theme of the broadcast today, keep it simple. God can help you keep it simple. And even though uh, when we are trying to obey and he gives us something to do. It doesn't sound simple because our human brains get in the way. So back to the burning bush, Dave Wager. Yeah. I, I, I love to play with Moses' mind because it's not given to us what he's actually thinking. But but I can guess what he's thinking. Uh, you know, you and I can focus on the logistics or we can focus on God. And if we focus too much on the logistics, we miss who God is because there is no problem that God cannot solve, and there's no, there's nothing He can't do. So if He asks us to do something that sounds impossible, it's like, well, remember, it does sound impossible to us, but not that nothing's impossible with God. Let, let me just read you some things here. That, and again, I'm I'm not going to argue whether these are 100 percent accurate or not. These are making a point, so I want our listeners to get the point. Moses is thinking, okay, he's he's talking to. Um, the burning bush. He's mm-hmm. talking to God, not the bush. And and in that, he's probably thinking, all right, you want me to go to Pharaoh? You want me to tell him, you know, first of all, this is crazy. 
you know, I'm the guy that ran out of there, you know, 40 years ago, and, and I can't talk, and Pharaoh's not going to say yes, and no one's going to believe that I've talked to you. They're going to think I'm a nutty old man. Those are all the logistics. Now, the easy part is God said go talk to Pharaoh, so really you should just go talk to Pharaoh. <laughs> but here's some of the other logistics that I'm, I'm trying to think now. Moses' mind, if it worked quickly, he's probably thinking, I'm going to have to explain this to all the other leaders of, of all the other children of Israel and have them agree with this. Let me, let me read to you. They had, a, they had to feed two to three million people. So that's going to require a bit of food. And just to think of that logistic, according to the quartermaster general in the army, it is reported that Moses would have had to had 1,500 tons of food each day. What that means is that two freight trains, each at least a mile long, would be required every day of food. So you think about God saying, you know, eventually I want you to take them out and, and be in the desert. Okay, how am I going to feed them? Well, that's a detail that's impossible, so leave that to God. Just listen to what God says. Not only that, besides, you have to remember, they're out in the desert. So if they were out in the desert and they were in their normal situation and they needed to uh, cook with wood, they would have firewood to cook, obviously. This would take 4,000 tons of wood and a few more freight trains each a mile long just for one day. So, so far we got we got major train traffic, if they had trains, just trying to feed them for one day and trying to cook for one day. And, and of course, we're not done, because if you're in the desert, you need to have water. So if they were going to have enough water to drink and, and wash a few things, it would take about 11 million gallons every day. And a freight train with tank cars 1,800 miles long just to bring the water every day. Now, that's, that's a bit of water. Now, now, that gives you a whole other meaning when God supplied water in the desert to these people of how much water he supplied. And now, let, let's get even to the Red Sea thing, because eventually, you remember, he brings them to the edge of the Red Sea, and they got across the Red Sea. And uh, if they're going to get across the Red Sea at night, now, if they went on a narrow path, double file, the line would be 800 miles long and, and would require 35 days and nights to get through. So there had to be a space in the Red Sea three miles wide so they could walk 5,000 abreast to get through overnight. Can you imagine that? It's not just, oh, I'll, I'll have this little path through the Red Sea. No, this thing had to be dry. It had to be wide. And they had to go 5,000 abreast. I, who knows how wide it was and, and, and what happened there. And then the last one I would even look at is every night in the desert, they would need a spot of about 750 square miles to camp on. 750 square miles. That's two-thirds the size of Rhode Island every, every night to camp. Can you imagine the logistics involved in this process? And, and God's saying, yeah, I want you to bring my people out, out in the desert. And so I, I don't know what Moses was thinking, but being a leader myself, when you start bringing opportunities to me, like let's take the people out in the desert, I think that I would hesitate. You know, what I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it, going, "Well, God, how how is this going to work?" But through the years, I have found that when God says something, we need to listen to Him. It's not for me to work out the impossible; it's for me to just do what I, what is possible. Uh, in, in Exodus chapter 4, it said, then Moses answered, he's, he's, he's going to answer God, and, 
and uh, he's at the beginning of this process still. And I'm thinking not even all these logistical things are in his head yet, but they're going to come. He says, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice for this. Say, the Lord did not appear to you. What am I supposed to say to these people? God, how am I supposed to prove to them that I have any authority? I'm a shepherd. Well, that's not your business. Your business is to listen to me. I told you to go to Pharaoh. He told him, what do you have in your hand? You know, we have these staffs. We'll throw it down. It'll become a a serpent. I love the fact God goes, in a way, and he didn't say it in this way, but what do you have? But he said that. What is in your hand? So God goes, so what do you have, Moses? What is it that you do have that you can just use? Well, I got, I, I have this staff. Can you imagine how funny that might sound at a moment? It's like, yeah, so you're going to go to Pharaoh, and the only thing you have is a staff that a shepherd would carry. Right, got it. Well, we'll use that. I love the fact that God has never asked me to be somebody or use something that I don't have, that I'm not. He just asked me to listen to him and do what I can, do what I'm supposed to do when he asked me to do it. And so Moses goes there and he throws that rod down, you know, and it becomes a snake and everyone goes, ooh, ah. And then God allows for some reason the magicians to uh, to throw theirs down and them become snakes too. And I'm thinking, again, I'm trying to get into Moses' head here, which is not easy to do, and I know it's totally speculation, so our listeners can do the same. But you get into Moses' head here, and I'm thinking, okay, God, now I'm looking up to God, even though Pharaoh's looking at me like, see, my magician so I'm looking to God going, what's with that? And I mean, I thought I was, I thought this was supposed to prove I was from you. Now, it is cool that his staff ate the rest of them in the form of a snake, so that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. But, but the whole, the whole point is you, you look at that and you go, all right. You know, I've learned in life that I don't trust just miracles by themselves. I don't trust just the supernatural. I trust God. Satan can do a lot of weird things and God allows Satan to do certain things. I need to know what God's word says. And if I could encourage our listeners do anything it's you get into god's word and read it every year read it cover to cover every single year the rest of your life never ever go a year without reading it it's not that hard to do you don't need to to analyze every passage get to know god because as you get to know him you start aligning your life with what he says and when you align your life with what he says you realize he's just asking me to do things i can do you know, uh, for example, I tell kids, you know, God created the idea of marriage. And so it's one man, one woman committed to each other for life. That's what it is. Oh, you know what? I could do that. I could do that. The idea of being committed to an individual for the rest of my life, I can do. He didn't ask me to be the, the world's best provider financially. He didn't ask me to be the, 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 the richest guy or have a home on the Riviera or something so everyone in my family's happy. He didn't ask that. He asked me to be committed to my wife, to, to love her like Christ loved the church. He didn't ask a bunch of other things. So I need to do that. I, I don't do very many. In fact, I, I really don't do like marriage seminars because I don't know what I would say. I, the thing I would say is, Whenever there's a problem in my marriage, it's because I'm a self-centered person. And and that doesn't fill up a whole hour seminar. So, the, again, it's a simple thing for me. 
I, I can so easily be self-centered, but I know God tells me not to be. So when I don't listen to God, I'm in trouble, and, and he only tells me the things that are, are for my good. You know, you got to put it in perspective. God isn't telling us things because he needs us to do his work. When you think about that crash, that that's really interesting. It's not like God comes to Moses and says, you know, Moses, I really need you to do this or I can't free my people. The thing I wanted to ask you, Dave Wager, uh, from Phil Silver Birch Ranch, uh, kind of, uh, if we got time, I want to back up a little bit. When, when you were reading those logistics, it was almost like, uh, someone could argue that would, was not even possible, even with a God, uh, that you worship, because this is what would be needed. You would have to have freight trains. You would have to do this and this and this to pull off that. How many people? Two, two or three million. Okay. To do that, in today's world, you would need to do this, which is not even possible. So, right, and and so like Dave Wager, we say we as believers say we're going to obey God at what He told us to do today because all of that other stuff it obviously happened. It's it's it's, it's recorded history. It's in His Word. But uh, how would you uh, address that when people are when you see their brains getting in the way, which which well, happens? It, yeah. What. You know, you and I are created as people, and we're not God. And, and we really can't understand God because we're created by him. So he's beyond our understanding. And we keep trying to elevate ourselves to be the same understanding as God. There is nothing impossible for God to do. And, and we think there is impossibility because we live with impossibility. But God doesn't. It's kind of like trying to understand that God lives in a timeless situation. Right. Well, how do we grasp that? There's nothing that I do in my life where I can figure out timelessness. Nothing. You know, the day goes on, the sun comes up, it goes down. Nothing. I cannot grasp the idea that there's no past and no future. You know, I can't, I can't do that. But yet that's God. So it's not that I have to understand things. It's that I acknowledge the things I don't understand, and then I listen to God because he tells me in the context of his work what I need to do to be a part of it. Now, it goes back to love. Since God doesn't need Dave Wager to be a part of his work in order to get it done, anytime he includes me, it's because he wants me, not because he needs me. That's just something that people need to really grasp because yes. God really needs nothing right or anything whatever the grammar is yeah well god would still be god if moses didn't listen to him see now now so the question there you go begs, that's good that's good because yeah you got to move on with the aarons and the joshuas and things like yeah. that <laughs> and and it begs the question you go, go back and say well so so you're saying that moses wasn't needed exactly and here's the fun part god wanted to include him in it one of the greatest illustrations for me is I played football in college. My senior year, I got hurt, and, and I couldn't play anymore. And, and I was standing on the sidelines watching my team win, and uh, and they won the game. And everyone came over to me afterwards. I mean, my old teammates would come over to me that were playing. They were all sloppy and dirty from playing a game, and they'd tap me on the shoulder and say, we won. And, and I can remember looking at them saying, no, we didn't. You won. I stood here. And I, and I felt so out of it because for three years before that, I was on the field with them 
I was there fighting the battle with him. It was a privilege to be a part of the victory. But on that particular day, I had nothing to do with the victory. And they're saying, oh, you're being harsh on yourself. I am not. I'm standing here in my street clothes watching you guys play. I would have given anything to be in there and been a part of it. You won without me. Either way, you won. And and I wanted to be a part of it, and I didn't get to be. And I And I've thought about that so often. When I stand before God, he's going to win. And if I choose not to listen to him, it's going to be like, well, you chose not to be a part of this victory. You chose to stand on the sidelines and watch other people. And and so, when we have a victory celebration, there's going to be this hollow peace in your heart. Because you could have participated, but you chose not to. And you know, Dave, I wanted you to. I wanted you to participate. I wanted you to be a part of it. Not because I needed you, but because I knew there was going to be a victory. And I knew how much fun it is to be on the winning team and to celebrate with your colleagues. And and what's going to happen one day is God's going to win this whole thing, and he's going to win it big. And he doesn't need any human being. He doesn't need Q90. He doesn't mm-hmm. need Silver Birch Ranch. He doesn't need Nicolay Bible Institute. He doesn't need any of those things to do his work. So all of those things become a privilege rather than this drudgery or responsibility that I have to do. I've talked to guys in ministry before, and I felt sorry for them because they think, oh, poor me, I have to do all these things. I'm responsible. And I think, no, it is a privilege to be a part of what God does. It's not a drudgery. It's not It's not something where you're, you're saying, oh, poor me, I have to do this, where everyone else gets to just be self-centered. No, that's not it. We get to be a part of God's victory, and guess what? He doesn't even need us to do that. And that's that's the fun part for us is that we get to be part of it. Um, I have found in life um, that my wife, in human relationships, my wife does not want to be needed. She wants to be wanted. And I don't want to be needed. I want to be wanted. Well, isn't that the beauty of the cross? It is. That's the beauty of the cross. It's the way we were created. And Why didn't God just do this and this and this and this? And you mean like robots? Who wants that? Right. Really? Right? Who, who and, wants that? And, you know, in reality, it doesn't fit. In the wife analogy, you know, if you think about it, okay, my wife and I, we've been married 40-plus years. You know, we have different responsibilities, you know, not because we ever sat down and said, you do this and I do that. We, we just do different things around the house. So most of the time, for example, uh, most of the time my wife will do the laundry, all right? I, I don't do it. She does it, and I don't do it right when I do it. So but regardless... You know, if something were to happen to her, I could do laundry. In other words, it's not that I need her for that. And if I ever start treating her that I need her for something, it's out of whack. It's it's that I want her to participate in our life. And I, and I want her to want me to participate in the life. I want her to want me. And that's what God created us to do. When we love God, we have to realize that God is saying, yeah, I don't need you. But you want to be a part of this big thing I'm doing? I want you in on it, and I will talk to you directly, and I will get you in on it, and it becomes a privilege to be a part of it. We can use our money, our resources. We can use our time, our talent. God's going, yeah, I don't need any of that, by the way. I don't know how many people through the years have come to me and said, well, I could, you know, you could do this if I were to get involved. And I go, we don't need you to do that. And if they look, what do you mean you don't need me? You know, God can do this with or without you. If you want to participate, participate. But he doesn't need you to get his work done. 
And and if you start acting like he does need you to get it done, you're going to be in a sad way the rest of your life. But here's the fun part. He wants you. He wants you to be a part of his work. And and so you can give. And you can give generously. You can give if God puts it on your heart to give all your money away. You could. And then you get to see God work. That's the fun part. Got about eight minutes left. And talking about the simplicity of God and the gospel is is uh, simple. It's a yes, simple it message. What what was happening? And, and you're talking about needing and loving. And when sometimes when you're explaining the gospel to people, uh, you get the uh, the pushbacks about what kind of God would do this and what kind of God. Would, and you're going like, okay, you're, you're asking the wrong question because it's about love. He does. He does. He does. He loves you so much. He does not want you to go to a place that was actually designed for demons, right. et cetera, et cetera. And, and so in all parts of our life, even Moses, uh, since we're using him as an example, he grumbled. Oh, yeah. He grumbled. Yeah, we all do. You right. know what I mean? We, we lose sight of who God is. And when we, when we complain or, I mean, I just look at, there was a time in the 14th chapter of, of Exodus where the Egyptians were telling Moses, what, did you bring us out here so because there were not enough graves in Egypt? I mean, they started to moan and groan. <laughs> it, it's like, did you guys just forget the, like, the ten plagues, walking through the Red Sea? Did you forget all of the logistical miracles? And I think we do. I think, I think we forget how God works, and we start to put all this responsibility on ourselves as if we're the ones that are in charge of something, and without us, everything will fail. And, and it and seems like we have, we do have a short memory. You know, how many times that God, his calling card, I'm the Lord God who brought you out of Egypt. You know, he had to remind right. on that, right. you know, all of that stuff. Yeah, and I think for us who grew up in Sunday school reading that passage, we forget the logistics I outlined today. Because when God says, I'm, I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt, that's what he was talking about. Not, not, and we just talked about the logistics in the desert. We didn't talk about the logistics of the ten plagues other than the, the crossing of the Red Sea, and that was after the Passover. But but we didn't talk about those ten. So they had these ten plagues, and then they crossed the Red Sea, and then they had provision for all those people. And God has to, every once in a while, go, uh, excuse me, I'm God who brought you out of Egypt. And that's what he's reminding them of. Right. And and I think that's the privilege I have here at Silver Birch Ranch, and I hope our listeners do when they look around and say, "Yes, I'm a part of something that God has done. I'm I'm the God who provided Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolet Bible Institute and and all the other stuff. Uh, I I'm that God, and we relax and we just listen to Him and enjoy who He is. That's important for us. Hopefully, when you're hearing of like thinking aloud or younger, older, uh, with Dave Wager's teaching on Q90 FM throughout the week. And, uh, on his, uh, on his, uh, on his visits. And when you listen to the podcast on Relate 365, it is a common theme. If you don't love God, you don't trust God, or you don't know God. If you don't trust God, then you don't know God. And that is, that, that is the battle. Uh, I can just speak for myself. That's the battle is, um, one thing you've said numerous times, uh, either in, in, in here at the radio station or in one on one talks is, well, all right, I, I hear what you're saying, but just let's talk about all the times God's led you down. Let's go through that, and then so I can see where you're coming from. And that's where it always that's where the 
rubber hits the road is we cannot, at least even the, even in the history of Q90FM over the 30 years, he's never let us down. He's never been unfaithful. And we forget about that faithfulness. Yep. Yeah. And in fact, I love it. In, in verse 15 of Exodus 40, God says to Moses, you know, the people are fr- fearful, whatever. And, and Moses comes and says, God, what do I do? And he says, why do you cry to me? Why do you even pray, Moses? Tell the people to go forward. <laughs> you know, it's like, Moses, quit praying about this. I told you what to do already. Praying about it isn't going to change it. Go step forward. And sometimes I think God would be telling me the same thing. Dave, what are you praying about this for? You know what you need to do. Yeah, but I'm praying and I want you to super, you know, in somehow impose your will in a great way. Right. And God's gone. I told you to take a step forward. Just take a step forward now. And and quit praying, by the way, right, because you're just using prayer for an excuse to not obey. Just just pray in a way that you obey. So when you say, "God, should I do this?" and I already told you to do it, I already answered that one. So don't don't ask again. Just do it. Three minutes before we wrap it up, Dave Wager, Silver Birch Ranch, Nicolay Bible Institute is the guest. The simplicity of God. So uh, let's keep it simple. Uh, uh, you got three minutes here to uh, to encourage people to keep it simple what that you looks know, like. I, I think, again, one day, those especially who live in the United States, we have so many ways to get into God's Word. I think if you really, really want to live life the way it's meant to be, get into the Bible and read it, and get a version you can understand. If you're reading the Bible, it's hard to understand. It could be because you're not a believer, and the Holy Spirit isn't really revealing to you the truths of it. Because if you are a believer, and you're really wanting to know God, if you really are looking for God, you'll find Him. And if you're not finding God, it could be because you're not in his family. And you get in God's family basically by understanding that you're separated from him by sin. And that Jesus came to this earth to die in your place and to pay for that sin penalty so that you could have your sins paid for and you could be in the very presence of God. And from that moment on, the Holy Spirit will indwell you. You read the scriptures through. You start listening to what God says. And it's important as you listen to what he says, that you enjoy who he is. And so often now, I will tell people when I leave them, enjoy God, enjoy your family. That's what you're created to do. Don't go out there and stress about the world's problems because if you listen to God and God wants to use you to solve the world's problems, so be it. But when you listen to God, he's probably working on a smaller scale in your family and in your workplace and in your school, whatever it might be. And and the easy thing is, just listen to him. You don't have to solve it. You need to listen to him and let him solve it. And he may use you, and it may be the most thrilling thing in the world. I'm thrilled that my dad encouraged us to go up and trust God in 81 to just leave our jobs and not have any money and go start something year-round. Because now I can look back at it and say, thank you, God. You have been faithful. Dave Wager, thank you so much for taking some time to spend with us here on Stand Up For The Truth. You're welcome. Silver Birch Ranch and also Nicolay Bible Institute and Relate365.com. We'll have the podcast posted up here for the podcast feeders coming up. And remember to visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Sign up for the weekly podcast digest in your email box. On the top menu bars, click the subscribe link, enter your first name and email address, and you are signed up. And as they say, keep speaking about the truth about things that matter.